This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Killer Grips. Whether you're a mixed martial artist, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor, a weightlifter, a crossfitter, or a rock climber, Killer Grips offers dependable grip tape that's going to help your grips last throughout the entirety of your training session. You can go to KillerGrips.com and use coupon code OGC15 for 15% off your Killer Grips order. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Open Guard Cast. This week, our guest is Amanda Levy. Amanda is an ADCC trials winner, a no-gi pan and world champion, an undefeated fighter for the PFL, and she recently has a win over Gabby Garcia in the Who's Number One uh, Championships tournament that she uh, she pulled out in the first round, which was a huge upset, which has everyone talking. So, Amanda, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, for sure. So we're excited to have you. There's tons to talk about. You have a really big win in MMA recently in the PFL, which is one of the best up-and-coming MMA organizations. Also that win with Gabby that I mentioned. So do you, do you first want to talk about just how you got into Jiu-Jitsu in general? Um, yeah, sure. So um, my dad would always watch um, the UFC. And um, when I was 11 years old, he signed me and my brother up for our first class for Jiu-Jitsu. And um, it was, like, more of, like, an MMA school, but they only had kids' jiu-jitsu classes. Mm-hmm. So um, but I ended up loving it and staying with it. My brother ended up dropping out for a little bit and then re-signed up when he was 16. But I've been just continuously training and competing since I was 11. My dad threw me in my first tournament in, like, four months in, <laughs> which I had, like, no idea what I was doing. I was in, like, an oversized gi. <laughs> I, like, look back at pictures and I'm like, geez, Dad, why did you let me compete looking like this? <laughs> but... It was kind of like that sink or swim mentality. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, so I noticed looking back at your resume and all your accomplishments, a lot of the competition that you've done has been nogi. So, was that something that you kind of did early on? Because I feel now there's been a shift in professional jiu-jitsu. It's mostly nogi. But was that something that you gravitated towards early in your jiu-jitsu training? Um, so I always, I actually think I preferred gi when I first started. Um, but I always trained both, and then. When I guess Gordon and Gary really came onto the scene for like jujitsu and like nogi jujitsu was really taking off, I just completely dropped the gi and just trained nogi full time. Um, so I maybe trained gi like once a year <laughs> that, um, <laughs> the last couple of years. And um, I think I'm going to start actually training gi a little bit more now just because now that I'm, I'm in MMA, um, I still want to be able to keep my like jujitsu relatively my jiu-jitsu, you know, like, I don't want to be that MMA jiu-jitsu that most people turn into. I want to still have, like, that jiu-jitsu where it's, like, perfect technique and all of that that goes into, you know, um, the practice and just the sport of jiu-jitsu rather than MMA jiu-jitsu. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can tell sometimes when jiu-jitsu guys get into MMA, jiu-jitsu guys or girls get into MMA, and their jiu-jitsu changes a little bit. Like, they focus a lot more on takedowns, they focus more on their top game, which is good for MMA, but then it's a little bit harder when they transition back to jiu-jitsu full-time and into those high-level competitions where people are just training jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so I actually start to feel like I'm already noticing it, like from my last um, fight with the PFL. Like I did an eight-week camp, and after I was done, I was like, my jiu-jitsu feels so different, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, I mean, I was always more of like a, a top like game player anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never much of like a guard puller by any means. So um, it was kind of easy for me to start that transition to go to MMA just because that was my game for jiu-jitsu anyway. Um, but now I actually put on the gi like two, uh, two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this feels so great. I'm like, I was like bow and arrow choking people. And I'm like, I forgot how great it feels to bow and arrow someone. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, something you don't get, Nogi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, just the satisfaction of like feeling the bow and arrow choke is just amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so you mentioned a little bit about Gordon and Gary being influences, and they come from the Henzo Gracie lineage, which which you come from as well. So you talk, can you talk a little bit about coming up through that lineage and because I feel like that's uh, an association where they don't just focus on sport jiu-jitsu they have champions in MMA they have champions in jiu-jitsu so can you talk about coming up in that environment um yeah so I was lucky enough to be at like five different schools growing up right so I got the look I know a lot of people are very like set in their ways about um staying with one school and being like you know loyal to that one school um, which I completely get, and I 100% understand why you'd want that. And, you know, it's so nice that, like, people can get their white belt from their instructor all the way to their black belt, you know, and it's it's great and everything. But mm-hmm. um, just over the years, um, between, like, travel times, um, just different coaches leaving one school to go to, like, open up their other school, like, I've just always looked to better my interests, more or less, for jiu-jitsu and try to be the best that I can be in jiu-jitsu rather than just um, staying, I guess, at one place and not getting all the experience that I've gotten over the last however many, uh, 13 years, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off a team, uh, Datus, which was more of an MMA-style school. I went to Team Balance, um, which they're great. The Mingleese brothers are awesome. Um, and I was training under their cousin, Frankie and Briefy, who was uh, a black belt and he was like super badass showed me like all like the all the techniques that are just like grimy and gritty and and everything like that um he made me so mentally tough it was like it's crazy I I started training with him when I was like uh like 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. and um so he would actually put (laughs) um when I would get ready for tournaments he'd line up all the guys in the room because I was the only girl and the only kid and he would put me in the middle of the mat and he would make them all do like a round with me. And then after like, they just beat the crap out of me <laughs> in between the rounds, he would make me do like <laughs> uh, jumping jacks, like push ups, wheelbarrows. And then I would just like break by the end of it, just be like full on crying, <laughs> like this little 13 year old girl. And all the guys were like, like, I don't want to like sh- crying. I don't want to beat her up. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> go, go. go. <laughs> um, I was very lucky <laughs> to have that kind of like mentality. Yeah. Uh, um, and then I went to Hensor Gracie PA and that was just like really nice because it was just like one big family there. Everyone was like an older brother to me. Um, and then their head instructor, Jason Frawley went and opened up his own school. So I followed him cause I would do private lessons with him. And that's where I got all my back takes. Um, especially if you watch the Gabby fight, you see my back takes and we're pretty on point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so I was lucky to get such a great um, experience with back takes from him. And um, after that, I went to Ricardo Almeida's. Um, also super beneficial because it's a lot of MMA guys. And that's where I started seeing more of the MMA aspect of jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. He, he runs a really good um, class for, like, the pros for um, jiu-jitsu, like, MMA jiu-jitsu. Um, so seeing like the MMA guys work and spar and do all that was like super inspirational for me to be like, okay, this is cool. I want to do this. I want to change it up. Um, and now I'm at, uh, precision jujitsu. Um, and then another thing that's really nice about the schools that are like affiliates is that I've got, I got to go to other schools 
affiliate it with like the Henry Gracie name and um, I would just be able to visit and just be able to pick up on, you know, different techniques that an instructor has, maybe yeah. better at guard, stuff like that. Um, and now I'm at Precision Jiu-Jitsu and uh, Rob Shire is just an awesome dude. He um, has like that old school game, but he, he like stays up to date with like the new school stuff. And then um, I was also lucky to train under Jay Rogobudo, who mm-hmm. he would run like a lot of 6 a.m. classes and um, Saturday classes and stuff like that. And he is like a commentator, so he just like studies jiu-jitsu religiously. <laughs> um, so it's pretty cool to be able to uh, have someone that is so into the game like he is. Like I think he just watches um, like technique videos for fun. <laughs> like just like. <laughs> I'll just put it on his TV for fun. I'm like, oh, I cannot do that. <laughs> but I'm glad I know you who does do that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I've just been so fortunate to be able to grow up in jiu-jitsu and just be able to um, see all different aspects of the game and just be able to acquire them for myself. Definitely. Yeah, you you mentioned a little bit, and I definitely think it's true. There is, like, a bit of a stigma sometimes around cross-training or training at multiple schools. Do you think that it, that's going to change eventually, and do you think that'll – benefit competitors ultimately to be training with different groups of people and different instructors? Um, I think, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've seen the change uh, in the last, like, 13 years from when I was training. Like, uh, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't cross-train at all when I first started, like, when I was, like, 11, 12, 13. Um, and then uh, I feel like it's more of, like, a new thing now that people are starting to cross-train just to get, um, you know, better rounds in if you're competing Especially if you're a competitor. If you're a hobbyist, yeah. I don't think it would have the same impact as much as a competitor. You know, a competitor is just mm-hmm. trying to get the best runs as they can to get ready for a match, where a hobbyist is just doing it for fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, for a competitor, I think uh, the game's kind of changing and everyone's just trying to get the best training they can. Yeah, I'm definitely noticing a little bit of a shift, at least recently in the past couple of years. I think that's going to continue to evolve and people are going to start to you know, build relationships with other people in the community and, and leverage those to get the best training possible, like you said. So can you talk a little bit about some of, like, your early accomplishments in Nogi that, that led you to kind of pursue the path of being a full-time competitor? Um, so, like I said, when my dad threw me in, like, <laughs> four months with no knowledge, um, just being able to constantly compete and uh, competing is a skill. I don't think many people, like, realize that. Like, it's, like, uh, a muscle you have to work out. Like, if you're not competing a lot, you're not probably going to compete the best as you can compete at, at a high-level tournament that you want to win, yeah. right? So um, my early accomplishments in, like, jiu-jitsu were just, like, bagas and grapplers quests and stuff like that. But my dad would throw me in, like, 20 divisions instead of just doing, like, your basic gi and nogi division. He would sign me up for, like, my weight class, my age bracket and experience and then he would put me in the next age bracket up then he'd put me in the next weight bracket up and then he'd put me in the next age and weight bracket up <laughs> and he and both of them for each of them so um I would just get up from one mat and just start going to the next one and there'd be like three other mats calling my name so I would get no rest in between I would literally just get up go to the next match get up go to the next match constantly competing throughout the whole entire day and most people would just like know me because they'd be like oh my god i've seen you compete all day yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's me <laughs> get my bucket <laughs> um, so um yeah so uh once i started um the probably the biggest one that really influenced me was grapplers quest had this um like pro card 
mm-hmm. in like 2015. And it was for like $1,000 if you won. It was like a, I think, eight women bracket, no gi. And they had like a ton of divisions for guys too. Um, and me, Gary, Gordon, um, who else won? Someone else won. Um, but we all ended up winning, which was super cool. But it was just like a no-gi event that was just like on a high stage. It was like a professional, a very professional setting. And um, I think winning that was kind of like, okay, this is really fun. This is cool. Let's continue. Let's continue it on. So then after that, I started doing more IBJJF tournaments, like pins and worlds and stuff like that. So now we're here. <laughs> That's awesome. Can, can you talk about winning your first major IBJJF title? Because I think for a lot of people coming up, especially around the time when you started, that was seen as the pinnacle, winning either like an IBJJF Gi World title or no Gi World title, pans or pans no Gi. So can you talk about how that changed your outlook on your career after you won those tournaments? So the first world, no Gi Worlds I did was in 2015. And the week before I tore my LCL, or the week of I tore my LCL. Yeah, I was so, so mad. Yeah. Um, so uh, I ended up placing silver, though, which mm-hmm. isn't too bad, right? That's really for, good. Because <laughs> um, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to compete. Like, yeah, my mom's like, stay home. Don't be an idiot. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> we're going to compete. <laughs> um, so then 2016, Nogi Worlds. Seven weeks before that, I had a ton of stress fractures in my shin. So I couldn't train for, like, seven, eight weeks. And again, we already had it all planned out. So I'm like, okay, again, no way I'm not doing it. So I didn't train at all. Went and competed, placed double gold at Purple Belt. Yeah. For um, the My Way class and then the Absolute. Mm-hmm. And the first thing my dad, I just won the Absolute, right? So just getting my second gold medal. The first thing my dad comes over to me and goes, Manda, you should have did. I said, Hold up. <laughs> I did not train for eight weeks. <laughs> you are not going to tell me what I should have done differently <laughs> because, one, my conditioning is crap. I feel like I'm dying. Two, obviously my technique's off because I haven't trained in eight weeks. So, like, timing – I even missed a back take, which doesn't really happen often. Like, I'm pretty, like, spot on with my back takes. Like, I take pride mm-hmm. in my back takes. And I think, like, one or two back takes I actually missed that day. And I could just feel the timing being off. Um so he's like, all right, all right, fine. I'm like, yeah, back it, back it up, buddy. <laughs> um, so that was just a super cool experience. Um, just like going in and just like, you know, that like gritty attitude of just like, all right, I'm going to try to my best here because I haven't trained for eight weeks. Um, but it is super cool and super accomplishing to win a new year world. So I still haven't gotten that black belt yet, which I'm probably going to end up doing next year just for fun. Um, I, I am just, starting to transition more to MMA, but, and I was going to drop jujitsu completely, like competing, but I'm like, why not just do it for fun? Like it, it doesn't mean as much to me anymore, as much as MMA is meaning to me now. Like MMA is like, okay, I'm like in it to win it now. Like where's jujitsu? I'm here for more fun now. So I'm like, why not just do it for fun and, and have a good time with it? Um, and then I did win, uh, my weight class at Nogi Worlds and, uh, at Brown Belt. And that was just a super cool experience too. Just being with high level girls and having like great matches the whole day. It, it it is such an accomplishing feeling. It just feels like all your work just that you put in for something just pays off. It's it's such a rewarding feeling. And I didn't have an injury for that one. So Yeah. <laughs> so that one your cardio was better and you you didn't miss any back takes. 
Exactly. <laughs> so you, we've talked a little bit about MMA and your career in the PFL. You're one to know you have one fight. It was an awesome fight. So if anyone has a chance to go to YouTube and look at the highlights from it, you'll definitely enjoy that. So, so do that. But can you talk about when you started to have those thoughts about getting into MMA? Because I, I think you mentioned you saw Ricardo, uh, Ricardo Almeida's pro practices and there was a lot of MMA guys there. Was that your first inspiration to get into the sport? Um, actually, no. So when Ronda Rousey started, like, you know, uh, got signed to the UFC and stuff, like a little, even a little before that, Probably Strike Force when Strike Force around, and um, I saw Cyborg fight Gina was probably yeah. my first inspiration to fight MMA. I'm like, wow, this is super cool. Um, and then after that, it was always kind of like, okay, I'm going to do it. It's just like a matter of like when I would start training because obviously you can't fight till you're like 18, and I'm like a 12 year old watching this fight. So. Uh, I did striking on and off throughout my 14 years, but I just always trained jiu-jitsu. So, like, I never stopped jiu-jitsu. And then boxing, I would do, like, maybe, like, a for a full year. And then I would just, like, stop. Two years later, I would start, like, kickboxing, would stop. So it was just, like, a constant on and off where jiu-jitsu has just always been, like, a steady thing in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I'd probably say the Strike Force match with Gina and Cyber was probably my first inspiration to do MMA. That's awesome. I feel like that was, like one of the best eras of MMA. Like, you had Ronda coming up in the UFC. You had Cyborg destroying everyone she fought. Gina Carano was a huge star, too. Were there any other uh, women MMA fighters that you really liked watching at that time? Or around that time? I mean, like, Misha Tate and stuff uh, was always awesome. Kat Zingano. And I got, like, the opportunity to grapple her at, like, a grappler's quest when I was, like, 16. Um, so that was, like, super cool. Um but, yeah, and uh, that's, like, another thing, too. Like, uh, I've had the opportunity to compete against, like, a lot of cool people. Like, I've, I've competed against Sarah McMahon, who, like, won, like, the silver medal in the uh, Olympics for wrestling. Um, Katzengano, I got to go against her. Um, so it's just been, like, a really cool um, experience just going against, like, super high-level girls, too, at the same time as, like, watching them on TV. So, so did you have amateur fights then before you went to the PFL? Um, yeah, so I had two amateur MMA fights. The problem was always getting amateur fights was that girls would see my jiu-jitsu background and then wouldn't want to fight me in MMA. Um, yeah. So I would have a fight for a day, and then the next day it would be canceled, which is like, <laughs> so, it was so annoying. <laughs> um, so my first MMA fight was in New York um, against, like, a striker, and then I won that in, like, two minutes in the first round, um, which, like, sucked because it was, like, wasn't really – I mean, it was great, but it wasn't, like, an experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. Like I said, like competing is like a, a muscle. Like I wanted the whole experience, right? I wanted like a tough fight that I would be having to like really work hard for so that I would just get the experience of what it's like to be in the cage. Mm -hmm. um, so then I fought again in 2019 in West Virginia. And um, that was cool because it was pro rules, but it was amateur. And I fought another striker. And this time I made it a point to stay on my feet the whole uh, three rounds, and then at the end of the third, I ended up, like, knocking her down with, like, a right hook. I just didn't finish in time with the ground to pound. Um, <clears throat> and then it was, like, but, like, trying to get in between those those um, fights, it was just trying to get an amateur fight was, like, ridiculous. So I was still trying to get fights, but it just wasn't happening. So around, like, last year, I'm just, like, all right, I guess I'm just going to have to go pro at this point. Um, and just see what happens, hope, hope for the best. <laughs> um, and um, I'm just really lucky that I got PFL, the PFL to 
signing for my pro debut. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I noticed that same thing with like Gary Tonin or just other high level jujitsu guys. They can't get fights. Like the only people they can fight are people who have way more MMA experience than them. Because anyone else who's lower level doesn't want to fight them because they know they're likely to get submitted. Yep. <laughs> so it's like funny too because like even like high level people don't want to fight you because then it's yeah. kind of like, oh, if I lose, I'm losing to someone who doesn't even have any MMA fights. They're not even looking yeah, at Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like that was like another problem I was having too. Like even like experienced girls were like, no, she has to get more MMA fights before she fights me. Like, okay. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard when no one will fight you. And I feel like the same thing happens with Ryan Hall right now. Like, he yeah. had a hell of a time finding fights for a really long time. And now he's starting to get some more. But for a while, like, no one wanted to fight him. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So can you talk a little bit about when the, the PFL uh, deal came about and what it was like to sign with an organization like that? Because I feel like they're doing really big things in MMA. They had the tournament where they paid – I think they paid a million dollars to the winner of uh, – the women's was it 155 uh, tournament? Yeah. yeah. So, so can you talk about what that opportunity was like when when they first reached out to you and and kind of your initial thoughts on fighting for that promotion? Uh, so it was really cool because um, well, actually around this time last year, I got an offer from Bellator, and that fell through because when I got my physical, I got an MRI in my brain, and, and something showed up on the MRI, and, and this was like the week before my fight. Again, my luck. <laughs> um, and they wouldn't clear me in time to fight because I would have to go see a neurologist, had to get more MRIs. Um, and by the time we could schedule another MRI before I went to go see a neurologist, it just the fight would have been over anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So it took like a couple months to get that all cleared up to find out that it was literally nothing and I had nothing to worry about. But I literally had the doctor telling me, like, basically – oh, if you have this and you'll never be able to fight again. So I'm at that point, I'm like, okay, well, if I can't ever fight again, like I'm just stopping everything because for me, I have to compete or it's not fun for me. Like mm -hmm. I'm a competitor through and through. Like I cannot just do this for fun. I'm not a hobbyist. Um, so I actually stopped training for jujitsu for like a couple months too because I was just like such in bad, I was in a terrible place. And um, then when everything got cleared and stuff, I was like super pumped, ready to go. So I just started like getting ready to train and, um, I train with a guy named Robert Peach who does like some striking and, um, I was just getting ready for anything, any opportunity. So I contacted Bellator again once I was clear and they didn't really like get back to me or anything. So I'm like, there goes that opportunity. Um, so a couple months went by and the Sugar Punch management company who does one of the fighters that I, my, my coach knows, he like said to them, he, my coach said, Hey, you know, if you hear anything about a 145 division for girls, like I have a girl that's looking for a fight. So can you just let me know? And they're like, yeah, sure. So we, they called back a couple weeks later and we're like, Hey, you know, we have a, a PFL looking for a 155 woman. Um, you know, is your girl interested? And we're like, hell yeah, let's go. Started training. Um, they got me an opponent and the opponent was a, uh, Cynthia Vescon who is um, a French Olympic wrestler. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was, like, super pumped. I'm like, oh, this is cool, like, a wrestler versus jiu-jitsu person. And then I was working on my striking, so I was, like, dead set that I was going to be able to, like, try some some of my striking. Mm -hmm. And then working with my new coach, Peach, like, with striking has been the biggest game changer ever. 
I look like if you saw my fight from 2019 and you saw my PFL, even though I got knocked down in my fight, if you saw the difference, I was winning, people. Okay, yep. I was winning. Just one punch always gets. Yeah, you have you. to watch the whole fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, the what was I saying? Yeah. So the, my whole game change, like of breaking, mm-hmm. has changed tremendously for the better. Yeah. Um. But anyway, um, so I was like dead set that I was going to be able to use my striking. Didn't practice one takedown for this whole fight because <laughs> um, I'm like defending. I'm like defending takedowns, thinking this girl's going to be trying to take me down. I'm like, I want to try to keep it on my feet for this girl. Um, and then she ended up dropping out. Um, the rumor was she didn't go and get her visa. I'm not really sure what happened. So she literally dropped out. They taught tell me the week of my fight that this girl is not fighting. So I'm like hysterically crying because I just prepped for eight weeks and I, I had the Bellator opportunity taken from me. And then I had the, uh, I, I'm thinking this opportunity is going to be taken away from me. And I am like falling my eyes out. Like someone died. <laughs> like, I worked so hard for eight weeks for this to happen to me. Right. And, um, so like a couple of days later they were like, Oh, we found someone. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I don't even care who it is at this point. The girl was like a striker. I'm like, awesome. So they make you quarantine for like a week. Um, basically, not even like a week. It's like four days. Um, so four days go by and we are just prepping and everything's going super well. The PFL does such a great job of like uh, like making you really feel like a professional fighter. Right? Mm-hmm. So they have everything for you. The hotel is beautiful. Um, the pool was so awesome. Like looked over Fort Lauderdale. And um, it was just an overall great experience for to even like fight for them. So I was just like thrilled. I loved every every second of it. I enjoyed the whole process and, and all of it. So it was so super great. Can you talk a little bit about the fight too? Because I know you touched on it a bit, but your striking did look really crisp in the beginning of the fight. She did land that one big punch that turned the tides, but then you were able to recover and ultimately get the win. But can you talk about what was going through your head when you? We're having those first initial exchanges and you were doing well and then how that changed after she connected with the big shot yeah so um i felt the best i've ever felt mentally going into this fight to begin with so i started working with um mindset mike who you know yeah um, <laughs> he is just like the wrestling mindset and basically just how to compete and be at your best best mindset when you're competing yeah um so I started working with him like literally oh, like five days before my fight <clears throat> and it helped tremendously, right? So I was just feeling great. I was so ready to go out there, super pumped, super happy to be there. Um, went out there. I was feeling great on my feet. Um, I, there were some things that were landing. Um, I was feeling super confident. Well, that one punch got me and it turned my legs off and it was the craziest feeling I've ever felt, <laughs> ever. <laughs> And I'm really glad that I got that experience out of my out of the way. So, like for future fights, like <laughs> I'll be able to like handle it. I mean, I handled it great, I think. But yep. just to have that in your pocket, okay, I'm done with that experience. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. So it was just so crazy because I was still like aware of like everything that was going on. It was just my legs turned off. So there was nothing that was like turned off like up here in my head. It was just all in my legs. Um. So once she started charging me, though, and I grabbed hold of her leg, it was, like, a really easy takedown from there. Um, I was just able to get it down to the ground, give her a few punches to make her expose her back, take her back, and get the running a choke. 
Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome fight. I th- I feel like that was an, a great comeback. Like it was it was a pretty clean shot, and like you said, like having go- like not really gone through that experience where your leg shut off like that, it shows a lot about your ability to bounce back from from a setback and and come back and get a win, which is an amazing skill to have in MMA. <laughs> And I also think it's just from, like, the years of, like, competing in jiu-jitsu, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. just being able to keep a good composure, like, while you're competing is just so important that I think most people, like, it just gets overlooked. Um, yep. But I actually thought the round was, like, almost – I mean, it was almost over, but I thought I only had, like, 10 seconds left when I had the rear naked choke in. And then I heard my corner say, oh, you have 60 seconds. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the time in there in the cage is just so different than time outside of the cage. It's like you enter into like another universe. That's funny. So, so what are your thoughts on on the next steps in your in your career? Because, like I said, PFL has done a lot of really cool things with like tournaments, and they have a 155 division. I I know you mentioned you could fight 145. So, are you looking to stay at 155, or do you want to drop down and see if they start that division? Um, I will want to stay with the PFL for as long as I can just to get, um, one experience and then two 155 divisions. Great. Because I just literally have to clean my diet up and I'm at 155. Um, mm-hmm. I even weighed in at like 153. Um, so just n- not having the weight cut is such a big, uh, thing for me because it just takes so much stress off of me during my like camp, like physically and mentally. And then on top of it too, it's just, I get to worry about just technique for the fight. Yeah. Like I don't have to worry about running and killing myself or anything like that. It's just, I'm working on technique and learning new things and sharpening the things I already have in my tool belt. That's awesome. So I, I didn't write this question down, but it's just something that I just thought of that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, can you talk a little bit about Kayla Harrison? Um, Cause she's done really, really good in the PFL. She won the tournament. And then also Clarissa Shields, who's an Olympic level boxer who recently signed with the PFL. I think she's only had one fight so far. Um, but those are two of the stars that the PFL is trying to build. So what's your opinion on, on their games and how you feel like you would match up with them once you work your way up to them? Um, Kayla Harrison is a complete beast. Um, you know, she's just like a force to be reckoned with. Um, I think yeah. she's going to be so great when she goes – I think because I think she's leaving the PFL. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to do so great wherever she goes. She just has, like, that mentality, and I think um, just her years of, like, experience in judo – and especially competing in the Olympics, like you're on the biggest stage, like all of that combined is just making her so deadly with like her mentality and then, you know, just how physically strong she is and yeah. stuff like that. It's just like a whole game changer. Yeah. Um, so I just think that grappling wise, I think I would do really good against her. Like, you know, her, her whole game is getting down to the ground where that's like where I'm very comfortable. So I'm just very confident in my jiu-jitsu that my jiu-jitsu would, would do fairly well against her judo and her jiu-jitsu ground and pound game. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, clear to shields, um, her fight, her first fight, I actually, um, trained with the girl who fought her. Um, Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, so Brittany Elkins, uh, mm-hmm. went against her. Oh yeah. She's a good, good grappler as well. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, Clarissa Shields has some dangerous, dangerous hands. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the <dead>. most dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's super, super strong. Um, yeah. But um, I just think her trying to make up for the level of grappling that I would have would be um, really hard for her. Um, I think if I got into the positions that Brittany Elkins got into, 
um, I think I would have been able to finish her uh, fairly easy. Um, I mean, not taking away from anything from her boxing, it's just that I think my jiu-jitsu would have definitely prevailed. Um, but And I think she's, like, super, <laughs> super arrogant. <laughs> it's crazy. I can never be that arrogant coming into a new sport like that. <laughs> so I give her yeah. credit for that. <laughs> yeah, she has amazing hands, but, I mean, if someone of your caliber on the ground gets her on the ground, it's probably not going to be a very long night. <laughs> yeah, I would think so, too. <laughs> And and Kayla has has really good groundwork, but I don't feel like she's fought an elite elite grappler in terms of like someone with black belt level jujitsu that competes at the highest level. So it would definitely be interesting to see you and her get on the ground. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely. So we talked a little bit in the intro about who's number one, and obviously you had that huge win over over Gabby. So did you get the call from who's number one while you were preparing for your PFL fight, or was it after that? So actually, I got who's number one before my PFL fight. Um, so I signed with the who's number one and then I had to make sure that I was okay to do it. I had to like let PFL know like I already signed with them. Is it cool if I'm fighting or whatever? So they were super cool with it. They are all about me doing grappling and like promoting myself and stuff like that. But, um, <clears throat> so that was like, which was what was really hard was because the MMA fight was more important to me than who's number one was because I'm transitioning more to MMA. But, like, you know, part of me, it was like, dang, this sucks, because I don't want to just go in the who's number one and just, like, you know, do terrible, because I'm yeah. of my MMA jiu-jitsu, quote-unquote. Um, so I was training definitely harder for the pro fight than I was for who's number one. And then I only got, like, a second to train for regular jiu-jitsu after my um MMA fight to get ready for who's number one so I think I did pretty pretty well <laughs> for only training just like straight jiu-jitsu for like maybe like two weeks <laughs> um but the whole experience for who's number one was super cool and I am super grateful I got the opportunity to even be on that card especially for me being not being ranked right so like most of the girls on that card I think the only two that weren't ranked were me and the other Amanda that was on that card um but I fought at least, um, like, I fought um, Anna Carolina before. I fought Clay before. I fought Kendall before. So I still had um, some experience with fighting those girls previously. So I wasn't, like, super caught up in the whole of not tra- not being able to train, I guess you could say. Yeah, you definitely had the resume to be included in that group. You have wins over some of them and um, just – with all your experience in grappling, it definitely made sense for you to be part of that part of that card. Yeah, it was it was a super fun card to be a part of too. Um, they just put on such a good production of everything, and they mm-hmm. even make you feel like a pro with like, you know, they had like meals there, weigh-ins that you could eat after you're done, and you know the interviews and all of that. They did such a great job. That's awesome. So there was a little bit of of controversy in like before the uh, I think it was after the weigh-in at the press conference with Gabby not weighing in. So do you know anything about, like, what was in her contract in terms of, like, having to weigh in, or was that just not something that she had to do contractually? Um, so I actually never even looked at the contract, but <laughs> <laughs> I should go back and look at it. Um, but um, there was nothing in her contract that said she didn't have to weigh in. I know that, that for a fact. We, got, mm-hmm. we asked them if there was anything in her contract. Um, so it was basically just we were there early getting ready to like 
quote unquote weigh in. Not that my division had a weigh in anyway because it was heavyweight, which it was like one forty five and up. Mm-hmm. Um, which already annoyed me because I don't get me wrong, I know what I signed up for, but also I think that if it's a heavyweight division, it, there should have some cap on the weight, right? Like it's, if it's not, then it's an absolute division. Um, so we're all standing there and I'm like looking around, I'm like, where's Gabby at? Cause like, she's like the person that everyone like notices right off the bat. Right. Cause she's like six, two, six, three, she's like 250 plus pounds. Um, so the guy like lines us up to weigh in and I, I'm talking to one of the girls and she's like, Oh yeah, she didn't come to my way in either and then she she showed up five minutes late to my interview to like our interview and i was like really i'm like that's so unprofessional of her like that's like weird to hear that she someone like her who has all these accomplishments right and jiu-jitsu so such a big name is not there to or not there on time to do what they are there for and um she was like yeah no you won't catch her dead on a scale and i was like oh that's why she's not here. It's because she doesn't want people to actually see the weight difference that she has on us. She, she doesn't want to put a number, an actual number, on the, the size difference. Um, so we all weigh in, and I'm just, like, sitting there so angry. I'm, like, telling my boyfriend and my coach, I'm, like, this is just so annoying. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so annoying she's not here. I don't understand. I want, to, I want to know her weight now. Like, I want to know her weight. And they're, like, don't say anything, because I was going to say something during, like, the where we had, like, they had, like, a rules meeting. And they're like, does anyone have any questions? And they're like, no, don't say it here. And my boyfriend's like, say it at the press conference. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm talking to my dad on, my fo- on the phone, and I'm like telling him what happened. He's like, yeah, say it at the press conference. Say it at the conference. So she walks in so arrogantly, made it more annoying. Um, and then, you know, she, they pull up the division in front of us, because that was like the whole thing in the press conference, is that they were going to reveal the bracket in front of us. Which I already had knew I was kind of going against Gabby just because I saw them put out like the odds, the betting odds basically for yeah. who's number one, and I was eight, I was like seated eighth, and she was first. So I'm like, okay, obviously I'm gonna probably get Gabby first. Um, so I also think that's probably why I was extra annoyed not to know her weight, <laughs> right? Like I want to know your weight because I'm going against you first. Whereas the other girls maybe they didn't care right off the bat because they had to worry about other opponents. Um, so they asked Gabby what she thought about her first match, which was May, and Gabby was, like, saying something along the lines of, um, I think she never went against me before, and then something else, and then they asked me, and they tell me, I'm like, oh, I'm, like, excited to go against Gabby, I just don't understand why she didn't have to weigh in, and we all had to weigh in, and, um, she tell her that, like, rocked her boat right off the bat, like, super under her skin, and she's, like, saying, oh, it's not my contract, on my contract, and then the other girls hop in, like, Anna hops in and Erin, and they were like, yeah, why don't you have to weigh in? Like, we all have to weigh in. And I'm like, yeah, you're super unprofessional, which really bothered her more than anything, I think, is calling her unprofessional because she, like, was on Instagram that night, like, saying something about how I call her unprofessional and how I was so disrespectful. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, she called me a pe- <laughs> the pussy. She called me a pussy. <laughs> like, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here. But I'm no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not disrespectful. I'm just asking why you didn't fill in your obligation. Like, we all weighed in. I just don't understand why you didn't weigh in. That's all I want to know. And I want everyone to know the weight difference you have on us because I think it's ridiculous that we have to fight someone that's 100 plus pounds heavier than us. And you would never see that in any other guy division unless it was an absolute division. 
Um, <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, after the, the, after all that, they, like, interviewed me, Flo interviewed me, they interviewed her, so I'm hoping that they make, like, a little, like, clip of all this, because that would be super cool, um, because they even put, like, a mic on my, uh, on Jay Rogobito, my coach, she was in my corner for, uh, the Gabby match, so I'm hoping they, they put a little thing together, because that would be super awesome, but, um, anyway, we, we go home, well, that night we actually ended up, like, going to the gym and just practicing a couple moves that we think would be beneficial for the match, and I literally everything we did that night we did in the match the next day it was almost like we wrote it down handed it to a director and said here we're gonna reenact this and literally everything happened exactly the way we planned it every move we did we we did in that match it was absolutely insane how everything just worked out so perfectly um so that was just super cool too just having that like having the preparation like that and then just seeing it all unfold was just so cool to see. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I feel like Gabby recently in some of her recent super fights has shown like a little bit more jujitsu than she had previously. Like I felt like she used her guard a little bit more and she was just doing things a little bit differently and showing different levels to her game that she, that she hadn't shown before. So what were some of the, like you said, it played out to a T. So were you drilling like back takes and, and stuff like that where you could kind of get around her and, and, uh, try and get your hooks in and look for the rear naked choke? Yeah, so our whole game, game plan was really just to get to her back to begin with, but um, a lot of it was just, like, preparing for, like, the takedown aspects of it, right? So, like, being able to, like, control her wrist, um, making sure she's not heavy on my head, you know, getting heavy on her head, um, cutting angles, not letting her run me down, um, and stuff like that. And then uh, my boyfriend predicted that she was going to sit guard, and um, so we worked a lot, like, guard passes, like, exposing the back more. Um, and then I just wasn't prepared for her not to tap to my Renegade choke. I don't think I've ever <laughs> had a Renegade choke <laughs> so sunken in before and had not, yeah. like, multiple times and not had them tap. Her um, face was, like, changing, too. It really looked like she was about to tap. Yeah, it was so crazy. <laughs> um, so that was, like, it just was just crazy how everything worked out in our favor and the way we planned it. Yeah, your boyfriend's a genius because I don't think anyone expected her to pull guard <laughs> except him. He is a genius. <laughs> All my nutrition stuff, he's the best. <laughs> I literally, um, when I'm preparing for like weight cuts or like MMA fights or anything like that, he just makes all the food because he's such a good cook and he and he likes cooking, I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I hope he likes cooking. He likes um, doing it for you. <laughs> he's really good at it. So. Um, but anyway, uh, he'll literally – make all my meals, pack it for me, and just tell me what when to eat it. And it, like, just magically works out. And I just... <laughs> That's I awesome. I one other person. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about what it was like as the time was expiring? Because you were on her back as the match was ending, and you were kind of, like, celebrating a little bit. Because obviously that's... Not only was it, like, a really big deal to beat Gabby, but the way you beat her was in a way that no one had done before. And she's fought the best of the best in in female jiu-jitsu. So, so can you talk about what that feeling was like as the clock was winding down and you knew you were going to get the win? So um, I wanted to go against her in the 2019 ADCC, um, but I lost my first match to Anna. Um, and I was, like, super disappointed because, like, I really wanted the Gabby match. And it was just, like, a matter of, like, when I would get it kind of deal. Like, I knew I would, like, would always eventually fight her somehow, right? If it was a super fight, mm -hmm. like, or fight to win or whatever. Um, yeah. And um, 
seeing other girls like Clay, because I've beaten Clay before, like seeing her go against her and do fairly well, um, seeing Kendall go against her, and I was like, man, I'm like, I would love to know how I could do against her. And then plus she's like a legend, right? Like she's won all these things in like grappling. So I'm like, it would be, just be cool to you beat her, right? Like it's like an accomplishment if you beat her. Yeah. So um, I was super excited for this match. And then when we were like five minutes into the match and my coach was like yelled at it and was like, you're only, you're five minutes in kid. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I'm only five minutes in. <laughs> I'm just around. Um, so that was like physically just so hard on me. So when I saw the eight seconds left and like how terrible my grips felt and everything, and I saw eight seconds left and knowing all that I just did, I just like threw my hands up and, and you know, too, it was the crowd. I don't even know if I would do that if the crowd wasn't there because the crowd was so into my match. Anything yeah. they did that was like towards me winning, they would just go crazy for. So it was just so motivating. And then it just made me feel so much better that I was like, oh my God, eight seconds left? Let's go. <laughs> so I threw my hands up um, and they went like super crazy, like almost like deafening. And there wasn't even that many. I mean, it was a, the stands were all filled, but like for like the amount of people that were there, it was so, so loud. Um, and then just, like, being able to, like, walk over to my boyfriend and Jay in the corner. It was just, like, a moment that you'll, like, never forget kind of deal. Like, I wish I could live that moment over and over again forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even after I, like, won, you, before they even raised our hand, you see me, like, bent over. Like, I am dying. <laughs> I was dying <laughs> physically. Um, and then when I, we walked back, I had, like, competitors in the back clapping for me. That was super cool. Um, just so, just the whole experience of, of it was, was great. That's awesome. Yeah, it was definitely most people's favorite match from the whole event. And that says a lot with the, all the amazing competitors that were there. So was it difficult to come back into that tournament and after you had such a big high to go back in against other high level girls and, you know, recover? I'm, I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing you had some sort of like adrenaline dump and, um, you know, that, that match took a lot of energy, like you said. So was it difficult to go back into that really stacked bracket and feel like you could perform at your best? Yeah, so technically it felt so easy, but physically on me it was so hard, um, especially that time in between. You have, like, four or five hours until your next match. Mm -hmm. And just, like, your body winding down and also, like, coming to, like, such a mental high, right? Like, I just felt like I – climbed the mountain and got to the top and I'm just like, woo, and yeah. everyone else. And then I didn't even really want to compete after that because I'm like, my body feels like crap. Mentally, I'm just like still not over this, this first win. Um, so definitely it was hard mentally and physically to come back. Um, and even like the next day when we got uh, to do the wrestlebacks, it was so hard to even like walk in the morning. I was like limping on my left leg. My whole body was killing me. Um, so that was just like a rough, just super rough 15 minutes on my body. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you want to talk about the rest of how the division played out and, um, what you felt about the final match as well? Um, yeah. So my second match was Hafaella and I fought her, um, in October last year, um, which went to decision and, um, I'm just excited to probably go against her again. I'm I, sure I'm going to see her again. Um, just because... Like, I didn't, I guess because I was training so much for MMA that if I maybe focused more, just, if I focused just straight jujitsu, I feel like I would have just been, like, 
a killer in this division because I went the distance with Rafaela and it, w- it wasn't a bad match by any means. It's not like she like no. dominated and killed me. Um, didn't submit me. Um, and then I went against Aaron and like I said, I just felt so physically drained after that, even the next morning. Um, not that Rafa- Aaron's, Aaron's great too. Don't get me wrong. Super strong. Mm-hmm. And then she's all, she's also in the MMA. So, um, that's super cool. So she's definitely got like that grit to her too. Um, and again, she didn't like kill me by any means, didn't submit me. So I felt good about that too. And, um, then the finals match was between Rafaela and Kendall and Kendall's a beast. I would love to go against her again soon. Um, just because I, last time I went against her, was like in 2017 ADCC trials. And I was like super light at the time. And she was like, I think like a little heavier than she is now. Um, so I would love to see how it would play out now with me still doing what I was doing and her still competing. Um, but that was, it was a good match between Rafaela and Kendall. Um, Rafaela ended up losing and Kendall ended up, um, submitting her. Um, but Kendall, she's just, when she's on, she's on fire. That's for sure. Um, but Rafaela is just like a tough, um, opponent and, um, She's just so physically strong, and um, I think she plays more of, like, a safe game. Uh, like, she's not, like, a sub- as much of a submission hunter, I think, as Kendall is. Yeah. And I think 30 minutes is, like, a long time, too, so it's, like, rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really rough. long time Yeah. with so, someone as strong as Hafiella. Yeah, so their match was, like, super rough, I think. Like, when the time was kept going on and they were just, like, constantly going back and forth, it was, it was probably getting super tiring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thinking back on it, you definitely went against the three strongest opponents in that bracket. Yeah. <laughs> All back-to-back, so that had to be really tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit just about what your plans are for, for the PFL and potentially for WNO or for any other uh, potential jiu-jitsu super fights you, you want to do? Um, so the PFL, I'd love to get into like that tournament. So we're still like talking with them and just trying to work stuff out. Um, so uh, hopefully I'm in there next year and um, – I just like a great opportunity to fight for them, and I'm super happy to um, be part of something like that. Um, so I'm just going to be taking one fight at a time, and hopefully I get someone like Clarissa Shields and make it a big fight, I strike against a uh, boxer. Um, and then um, grappling, I probably will just continue to do for, for fun. Um, I'll probably start doing a little more IBJJF stuff. Maybe you'll see me in the gate. I don't know. <laughs> We'll I think see. people want to see it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, but it's just, like, uh, super cool that I'm able to go against, like, high-level girls and um, be part of such a great sport. For sure. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. You're coming off some absolutely massive wins in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. So I think people – your personal brand's probably never been bigger. I think people are really excited to see you in the PFL and back in grappling. So thank you again. And do you have any uh, sponsors that you want to thank or any shout-outs you want to give? Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been watching me and supporting me, and thank you all to the people that uh, started following me on Instagram after that, Gabby Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle the whole, like, social media stuff. <laughs> I'm not really good at it. I'm not good at being an, an influencer, but um, <laughs> I'm happy that you guys are following me. And um, I would like to give a shout-out to MMA Coin. Um, they sponsored me for um, Who's Number One, and I think they're going to be sponsoring me for a couple upcoming stuff. And then um, – just want to give out a shout out to Skilled Violence because they sponsored me for um, my fighting who's number one too. So 
got some two good brands by me. <laughs> awesome. So definitely check them out. Follow them on Instagram. Follow Amanda. Follow the PFL. Follow who's number one. And just stay up to date with everything going on in Amanda's world. So thanks again, Amanda, for, for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, this was episode 110 of the Open Guard Cast. And we'll see all you guys soon for the next episode.